Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. This is episode 220, and I'm Nick Sonnenberg. And this is Ari Mizell, co-host of the Less Doing Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So this is a, a first, actually, for me. We just did the interview that this episode is coupled with. So we just had an interview with Linda Formicelli, who wrote the book, How to Have It All. One of the most inline thinking people I've ever spoken to in terms of how to be productive and outsourcing and automating things in your life. Yeah, I mean, when we asked her the question, how do you start? And she's like, well, keep track, you know, figure out where you're spending time. It's, it's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then also what we always say to people about how to think about outsourcing and it's like, what's your unique skill and what do you enjoy doing and figure out how to get rid of everything else. She said the same thing, but it rhymed. It, it was like, do what you do best and get, get rid, rid of, of the rest. rest. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. And we just want to say thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks. FreshBooks wants exactly the same thing for you as we do, less stressing and more free time. To get you there, FreshBooks has created dead simple cloud accounting software for freelancers. It's packed full of really clever features to automate all those day-to-day -day admin tasks you'd rather not waste time dealing with. It allows you to do online payments so your clients can pay you online, which can seriously improve how quickly you get paid. You get great insights with FreshBooks because it can show you whether or not a client has even looked at an invoice you've emailed them. Project deposits is another cool feature because before kicking off a project, and if you need payment up front, FreshBooks has a super handy deposit feature, and the support at FreshBooks is great. If you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is amazingly helpful, super friendly, and has zero attitude. Plus, a real live person usually answers in three rings. I thought that was actually a pretty cool statistic. <laughs> to feel the full effect of how FreshBooks can change the way you deal with your paperwork, FreshBooks is offering less doing listeners a 30-day free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash less doing and enter less doing in the how did you hear about us section. Now that's less doing one word. So thank you again to FreshBooks. Now the links for today, we've got a couple really cool ones. The first one, I actually want us to try this one. It's called VidRack. So what VidRack does is it gives you an embeddable player or a recorder rather that you can put on any of your websites and it allows fans or the crowd to record videos for you and immediately send it to you. So if you want to get like a whole bunch of testimonials, for example, or if we wanted to be like, hey, go to this page and record your number one productivity hack for the day. They go to the website, they click record and it's and it's done. That's really cool. And then neat. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually one of the examples that they gave was uh, apparently Obama used this in his campaign and it was like. Uh, you know, record a video for Obama. But uh, this is a thing that's, we, we know how valuable it is to have this kind of information and to get these kinds of, like these kinds of videos from people. But even with the, the with having phones and like having everything at our disposal, sometimes it's actually not that easy to tell somebody how to record a video and then send it to you. So this makes it literally go to this page, click record, talk, and you're done. Well, part of our interview process to be a VA is to record a two minute pitch of yourself and send it to us. And what we found is, Literally, like over eighty like percent of people, yeah, like over eighty percent of people can't get past that part of the of the interview process. So, <laughs> yeah, it, we we have a lot of people who put the wrong link and don't figure it. Yeah, it's kind of funny actually. So I thought this was really cool, but for some of the stuff we're talking about with with Hero X now, yeah. um, and we're looking at there'll be a lot more information on this soon. But we're looking at doing this crowd sourcing project with them. This is actually a really cool tool. So mm -hmm. I like this. I want us to try this out. This next one, I'm not so sure about. I'm a little offense about this. So it's called Reply Up. And it says it's the best way to automatically send friends follow-up emails until they get answered. <laughs> send from inside Gmail or upload list into Reply Up and send in bulk. I mean, obviously, they have numbers to support this. So what they're saying is, like, the first email you sent had 10% response. The second email got a 35% response. And it goes 
all the way to the fifth email, which got a hundred percent response. If you got five emails from somebody, would you just would you be more likely to respond or less likely? I'd file a restraining order. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Right. So I don't I don't get it. No, it kind of reminds me of that example you gave with uh, I forget which company, Rebump. but with uh, you, when you just kept sending an IFTT reminder oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to them like every it was day. Verizon. <laughs> yeah, to Verizon. But that yeah. took sixty four emails for them to finally write back. Yeah. Is there a target audience for you to do it with your friends? It says a friendly follow-up. So obviously, like, I don't think this is for friends. I think this would be like you want to get paid or, you know, or. I don't know. I don't, I yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really, I feel like this is, this probably will save people a lot of time for doing this. Yeah, but like, use like followup.cc or one of these tools. And, you know, if the person doesn't reply in five days, it'll come back to your inbox. Well, thing. so the only thing, the only thing that I think is interesting about this, where it's not followup.cc, is they're different emails. It's not the same email over and over. So it's like you can write the five emails. So it's like having like our sales funnel. It's like a soap kind sequence. Of, yeah, exactly. Like a soap opera sequence, but for someone. So you can be like, hey, um, I want to see what you thought yeah. about this. And, not, then you, and then the second one's like, not sure if you saw my last email. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a little scammy, right? It's weird. But yeah. I, but again, I feel like there's definitely people who are doing this kind of thing who they could they could benefit from this. Yeah. Um, and it'll stop it if the person responds. Sounds a bit like uh, Nathan Latka's Chrome extension that he said he built. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Anyway, so I don't know. If someone finds this useful, go to reply up and check it out. So the uh, next one, this is an article from Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is how to make life spectacular for rituals backed by research. The sum up here is that there's four points. One is sappy means happy. So hugs, puppies, and helping maybe is corny, but it's very effective. Okay, that's fine. Uh, optimism obviously will lead to more happiness. Communication is obviously going to help too. But the one that I like the best is control. So what they're saying in this, which I completely agree with, is that control is the best antidote to stress. And I have to agree. Uh, this is a big part of less doing where I feel like even everything from tracking what you do gives you a, a feeling of a sense of control in an otherwise overwhelmed world where you just know what's going on at least and it gives you that control. And I really do feel like control gives you a lot of uh, fight against stress, which is why when we talk to clients who don't and not even about us but they don't want to use like a central resource for all their outsourcing they'd rather work with everyone individually and have this whole disparate force you're giving up control and i think it leads to more stress there's just more to, to like more that you can't control no i i agree i'm working with that coach right now about the being comfortable when i'm not in control oh yeah I'm so used to being in control <laughs> how do you do that i don't know it's uh <laughs> it's a work in progress <laughs> Well, so I mean, they're, they're saying if you want to have more grit and achieve your goals, then you have to do whatever it takes to give you a feeling of control. Hmm. So, and I, I agree, basically. There's a website that I really love, which is called Fatherly, which is like, there's so many mommy bloggers out there and so many websites for moms. And this one is really for fathers. So, uh, and obviously I am a father. Uh, so there's two articles on there that I just really love. The first one is why a parent's chaotic life might be good for your long-term brain health. So this is something that I'm like always worrying about. Like we have a chaotic household. I mean, you've seen it many times, Nick, obviously. And like there's usually <laughs> one or two kids running around completely naked. One might be hitting another one. One might be eating something that they're not supposed to. There's blood coming from somewhere. Someone, Someone's always bleeding in the house, basically. <laughs> um, so what they're saying, though, is that having chaos, and they're not talking about like violence, obviously, but like having a chaotic household where there's just a lot of different things going on. Uh, essentially helps kids' brains become stronger at being flexible in different tasks and organizing themselves in a chaotic environment. 
So if you do have a chaotic household and you're very busy and there's schedules all over the place, take part knowing that it actually might be doing something good for your kids. And then the last one, this is just amusing to me, why you're hardwired to kind of hate whoever your daughter brings home. <laughs> uh, can't you wait for the day with you got like another what, 15 years before chloe's bringing anyone home yeah yeah so um i never had to worry about this before but now i have a daughter and you know she's 14 weeks old but it's obviously already something that i am definitely thinking about and basically uh they say that uh one of the things that happens is the parents have a biological self-interest in passing on their genes and if your kid brings home someone who you're not particularly happy with, then there's a conflict because uh, it says daughters will settle for a partner who provides less support than her parents would ideally like, which places a burden on your family, um, especially if they that person leaves you to raise his offspring, uh, basically. So it, it reminds me a bit of that scene in Bad Boys with Will Smith. Remember that when the guy when the, the, the daughter brings a guy home? Or he's oh, in Bad to, Boys. Yeah, and Will Smith pulls a gun on the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says, well, because while you want your genes to be passed on, you sure as hell don't want to have to feed and clothe them, too. <laughs> so um, there you have it. And uh, I hope everybody is having a wonderful well, Yeah, and should we talk about what we're working on right now? Yeah. So really quick, the, the two things that we did interesting this week is we've launched a Hero X campaign. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Hero X is, it's a crowdsourcing platform for any type of prize. So our prize is going to be who can come up with the coolest automation and create a video and send it to us on automating any process. It doesn't matter what it is, but some example of a really clever automation. And we have a first, second, and third prize through that, and you get VA credits. So, you know, that's going to be launched soon, and we'll give you some more info. And we've also just started writing a, a book together that will come out beginning of October. Yep. Think Lean Startup on steroids. Yeah. If you guys are interested in either of those, please feel free to email va at lessdoing.com. The book we're really, really excited about, and we're using Book in a Box. Tucker Max's company. So we are outsourcing the book about outsourcing. Yes. Which, which is totally fine because it's in line with uh, what we believe in. So Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. So now we're speaking with Linda Formicelli, who is the author of How to Do It All, while only occasionally wanting to poke your eyes out with a Sharpie. So, uh, Linda, thank you and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me here. So tell us about the book. It's meant for women who want to have fun, be productive, and live life to the max. So tell us about that. Yeah, it's actually, I wrote the book in response to that sort of trope you hear in the women's media about how you can't have it all, you can't be superwoman, don't even try because it leads to da-da-da stress, you know, stress is the big thing. Um, they're all saying slow down, don't do as much, say no, clear your schedule, simplify. And, you know, there are a lot of us who just want to do it all. We want to say yes. We have a lot of things we want to be doing. We find a lot of goals important. And I wrote the book in response to that. So the book is divided into two parts. There are time management tips and attitude management tips. And then there is a section with 12 what I call desires, which are goals that a lot of women told me they wish they were doing in their lives, like traveling, volunteering, uh, starting a side gig, and so on, with advice on how to make those happen in your life. 
How would your advice on how to do it all be different for a man versus a woman? You know what? I think the tips actually apply to both men and women. And I did have a male beta reader and I've had men read the book and they really like it. It's just really the tone and the language and sort of the motivational aspect that's directed towards women because that cultural narrative is directed at us that you can't have it all and you need to choose and you need to slow down. So um, the, the tips are for anyone. Well, and so, like, one of the things, I guess, why you should shower less is what you see in your description, which I guess maybe that's more of a given a one for women. <laughs> um, I mean, it could be for men, but yeah. <laughs> well, but you also talk about why you shouldn't expect support from your family. So, can you talk about that one? Sure. I hear from a lot of women saying, I want to do it all, but I need my family's help. I need their support. I need them. When I want the house clean, they need to do it and they need to support my side hustle and this and that. And if you're waiting for that as a prerequisite to doing what you really want to do, you're going to be waiting forever because your goals are important to you, but they might not be as important to other people. And people who want to do it all, like me, tend to be a little bit type A, and we want things done in a certain way at a certain time. And we really can't expect that of other people. So while you can hope to get support from your family and your friends, I think a better idea is to, you know, ask them, see what you can get, but then look elsewhere. You can hire people, you could do it yourself, you can outsource it, you can automate it. I know you guys are all into that. Yeah, we know a little bit about automation. Um, Just a little bit. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is be proactive, not reactive. Is that right? Exactly. Don't sit around waiting for other people to help you and to make things happen. And don't have prerequisites to when you're going to do things. You know, I'll do it when I get that support from my family. I'll do it when the kids are out of the house or when I have more money. You know, you're relying on your environment and outside influences instead of just relying on yourself. And when you say support, are you meaning emotional support or financial support or, or either? <laughs> You know, I was actually thinking about emotional support and then get down and do it like physical support, like doing things that you need to be done. I wasn't really thinking about financial support, but I think that's probably, uh, it probably also applies to that. Um, where if you have, for example, a goal of starting a side business, you can't really expect your family to uh, be really happy about maybe having to cut down on expenses while you build it up or things right. like that. Well, as far as the physical stuff, so that's where like, uh, you know, either outsourcing or some sort of help. What are some of the things that you personally outsourcing in your life? Oh my God, I've outsourced so many things and it's always kind of fluid. So for example, when I wrote the book, I talked about hiring cleaners and I had cleaners come in every week. Well, I don't have them right now. You know, you just need to figure out what works for you at any particular time, but I have outsourced, I've hired trainers, personal trainers. I have a personal yoga instructor. I have guys that do the lawn up until recently. I had cleaners in terms of work. I have outsourced um, blog posting and uh, image sourcing, interviews, transcription accounting, taxes. I mean, there's just, I mean, you could pretty much outsource everything that is not your core competency so that you have time to do the things that matter to you and that you're best at and that bring you the most return. Right. That's really where our mindset is. That's why we created uh, the Less Doing yeah. Assistant. <laughs> so like, what are your biggest tips then for someone to do it all and, and get, get everything done that they want to get done? Is it outsourcing or like how, like what's your method for getting it, for doing it all? 
Oh boy, it's it's a little bit complicated. There are so many different moving parts to it. I mean, outsourcing is a big part of it. Again, figuring out what you want to do, what you do best, and then outsourcing the rest. Um, and if you can't afford to hire somebody straight out, you could barter, you know, so on. But also the automating, like we were talking about, automating bill paying and automating um, just everything you can think of. And that's all just to create more time for you. But one of the most important things I talk about in the book is that you probably do have the time, but you just don't know it. Everybody thinks, oh, I would do this. I would travel. I would volunteer. But if only I had the time, but I work 80 hours a week and I volunteer all the time. But time use studies show that we don't work nearly as much as we think. Child care and house care don't take as much time as we think. And also we sleep more than we report. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, we really do have the time. Yeah. We hear a lot from people, oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, I'm like, uh, what is it, underwater? Yeah. Is that, that what we are? Oh, 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 yeah. Heads down right now. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah. your line, uh, figure out what you do best and get, get rid of the rest or however you said it. Because like really, that's what, we, that's what we teach. And you know, <sighs> automating and outsourcing is a way to get rid of the rest so you can focus on what you're the best at. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel that this isn't for them, that you need to have a lot of money or that you need to have a lot of resources. But as you know, you can do a lot of this without going broke or without going crazy. I mean, I've outsourced and automated so many things. And I'm just typical middle class, you know, suburban lady. I mean, we're, we're outsourcing a book actually just on that. <laughs> we started this company literally on zero dollars. <laughs> like it was literally zero, zero investment, zero personal money. And, you know, we were able to do it. It's possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you're writing a book, there is so much you can outsource. I outsourced editing, proofreading, design, cover design, layout, marketing. I mean, yeah. Well, and so then what is your core competency? What do you get to focus on now that you free all this time up? Mike, well, first of all, I have so many things that I want to be doing. My core competency in terms of work is writing. So when I do a book, I just want to write the book. I don't want to market the book. I don't want to design the book. I just want to write the book. In terms of everything else, uh, we have been doing a lot of traveling. That is very important to us, and I want to free up a lot of time for that. A lot of entertaining, and I'm trying to think of what else we do. Just, you know, we're just out and about, having fun, exercising, traveling around. Well, and so when something like a new project comes to you or you want to work on something, do you have sort of a, um, maybe like an internal process you go through in terms of figuring out, are you going to do this yourself? Are you going to approach it or like, how is it going to like, do you break it down somehow? You know, this is fairly new to me. All of the previous books I've done, I've done mostly on my own. I will hire a cover designer, but I'll choose the graphic, the image that will go on the cover and then he'll create the cover. And a lot of times I've done my own editing and proofreading and marketing and so on. But I thought, you know, I really want this book to take off in a way that other books haven't taken off for me. So I think I need some extra help. So it was kind of a fly by the seat of your pants sort of thing where I was just hiring people left and right. And I did make some mistakes, very big mistakes in terms of outsourcing that were pretty bad, but it was all an experiment for me. And like, um, well, let's just, I hired a launch team and I, when I hire small business people, I tend not to do my due diligence because I'm a small business person myself and I don't, I don't like to be questioned at what I'm best at. So I hired somebody without really being clear on what they were going to do and ended up firing them the day after launch when they did basically nothing and I had spent $6,500. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what about virtual? So that's, that is a learning experience. 
What about virtual assistants? Yeah, so I actually have them. Which company, which ones have you used? Um, I have hired various virtual assistants over the years. Um, last year or a couple of years ago, I hired one just out of my readership. And now I have hired a, a woman named Kim who is doing some PR work for me and other things in relation to the book. Mm-hmm. But I have had virtual assistants put up blog posts, schedule them, do interviews for me, source um, photos, do transcription, and so on. Well, okay. So now if, you, if, if a, a woman were to come to you and they're, 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 they've got a career, they've got a family, they've got all sorts of stuff going on, but they're overwhelmed, where do you tell them to start? Uh, I tell them to start with tracking their time and figuring out where their hours are going because a lot of times you feel scattered, but it's because, number one, you're doing things you don't need to be doing at all or doing things in a less than time efficient way. And number two, you might have a lot of time throughout the week, but it's all kind of scattered here and there in little chunks because of the way you set up your own schedule. So I suggest really analyzing your schedule, analyzing every single thing that you do during the day and figuring out, could I do this better? Do I need to do it at all? And is there a better time to be doing this, especially in terms of batching up tasks? So instead of paying a bill here and paying a bill there and answering an email here and answering email there, you schedule, for example, an admin day or a few hours of admin where you're doing all of these things at once and it frees up more time later on in the week. Yeah, no, we, we're completely in line with what you're saying. One issue, though, that we do see that people have is they're in the mentality, oh, only I can do that because they don't realize that things are outsourceable or, auto, uh, or you could automate things. So people don't – that's, that's the, the, the number one thing that we really see with people. Only – but how can I outsource that? Only I know how to do that. And they don't realize that like 90% of those things they don't need to be doing. Yeah. I mean, number one, you can't be good at everything. And number two, there is an element of trust to it when you first outsource something that you feel like you're the only person who can do it. And there's also that ramp up time where you might be training somebody to do it the way that you want it done or in a way that you feel is efficient or sufficient. But after that period is over and you've got them working for you, it really frees up so much time. Yeah. Well, and so for that process of tracking your time and identifying that stuff, is that something that you suggest that you like manually or is there a tool that you like for that? You can do it manually. You could just make a chart yourself. There's a book I really like called 168 Hours. You have more time than you think by Laura Vanderkam. And on her website, she has downloadable spreadsheets where you can track the 168 hours of your week and see where your time is going. Very yeah. cool. But so, but it is, and it's fine. Actually, it's interesting. But so that it's still a manual process, though, right? So you're saying like, in this hour, I'm doing this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I tend a very good way to do it. Yeah. Because that does, I mean, the thing is, is the passive yeah, trackers t- that you can use, they're good, but they don't give you as much of immediate awareness of what's actually happening. Right, right. And yeah, I'm a little bit old school about things like that. And I know there are a million different trackers and time managers and things like that, but I'm all about just a piece of paper or a spreadsheet on my laptop. Right. Now, just to take a step back, I was reading your bio and you have a master's in Slavic <laughs> linguistics. Is that right? Mm, yes, that I, is true. <laughs> so actually, I have uh, we, we have the same alma mater. I, I have a, I, I went to Berkeley for grad school as well. Go Bears! But uh, ah. how did you get into uh, how did you get into this? Oh, you dropped the Warren thing all the time. Come on, Go uh, Bears! Yeah, Go Bears! <laughs> Just because we have a football team and oh, Ben doesn't God. have uh, any sport, we have to edit this. <laughs> uh, how did you get into uh, this from you know getting a master's in Slavic linguistics? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but then I kind of went off track. I was in high school in the 80s, so I'm kind of dating myself, but it was all about the Cold War, and I thought knowing Russian, maybe I could get a job as a translator or an interpreter or something like that. So I got a bachelor's degree in Russian, and then I went on to get the linguistics degree, and I was in the PhD program and realized, you know, the only thing I could really do with this right now is teach, and I don't want to teach. I've always wanted to be a writer, so let me try it out. And I actually built a website by hand with an HTML book I found in a phone booth. Oh, I'm dating myself again. <laughs> and for um, listeners, what a, and I built, explain what a phone booth is exactly? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I built a website and I started pitching magazines and I immediately started having success. And at the time I was working in an office job, but the company wasn't doing very well. So they were happy to have me cut down my hours gradually as I got more and more writing work. And in about six months, I quit to go full time. And that was in 97. Wow. Very cool. Um, and and, um, and just to clarify too, Slavic linguistics, does that just mean that you have a general understanding of Slavic languages? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You know, the history of the Slavic languages. I had to study uh, Russian and Bulgarian. That's pretty much it. Okay. Um, and so then what's next? What's the next big project for you? I have two books I want to work on. One is about control. And it's about how to gain a sense of control in your life because it has been shown that one of the keys to happiness is having that sense of control over your environment or over your situation. And I was going to divide the book up into chapters about things like just computer backup, insurance, wills, like things where they give you a sense of security and control. And then the other book was going to be called Do It Anyway. And I was going to interview or survey people to find out what their biggest excuses were for not doing what they really wanted to do in their lives and then pick the top 50 and bust them. Probably too busy is uh, going to be the number one. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah. Too busy, not enough money, not enough confidence. It's really amazing when people are too busy to get unbusy, basically. So, uh, well, so Lisa, yeah. Linda, our, our last question I always like to ask on these interviews is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. <laughs> the top pieces of advice to be more effective. Let me think about that for a second. I think you need to come to terms with the fact that right now you have enough of everything. So a lot of people say, oh, what about the people in war-torn countries and, you know, people in impoverished nations? And you know what? I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you who's listening to this podcast or reading my book. Um, if your excuse for not doing what you want to do or not getting things done is that you don't have time or you don't have money, I call BS. There are a lot of ways to get things done without having a lot of money. And also, it's usually a matter of priorities where we say, I don't have enough money to do this thing I really want to do. I don't have enough money to automate. I don't have enough money to outsource. And really, it's about priorities because if somebody said, hey, do you want to do this thing you really want to do? Go on a ski trip, go to a movie, you know, watch this cable TV show on your really expensive cable package. You have the money for that somehow. Um, so really, it's about thinking about your goals and your priorities. And in terms of not having enough time, we talked about that. Again, automating outsourcing, tracking your time, figuring out where your time goes and making some really tough decisions after analyzing your schedule. hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, definitely. No, those are great. So uh, Linda, we're, we'll have links in the show notes, of course, but where can people find out more about you and buy the book? 
So the website for my book is howtodoitallbook.com. And I also blog at therenegadewriter.com. And I am not on social media for reasons that I explain in the book. So I'm not really reachable on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or any of those. Okay. Isn't that something you could outsource? You could have accounts and just uh, have someone else manage it for you? You know, it's funny. The person that had to do PR for me is trying to talk me into doing that. When I was a magazine writer, I discovered that the social media I was on wasn't really very effective in terms of getting more gigs and it was just really wasting more time. But in terms of marketing a book, this might be something else to look into, but an outsource. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Linda, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me.